Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello and welcome to The Shift, the podcast that aims to tell the no-holds-barred truth about being a woman post-40. Created and hosted by me, journalist and author, Sam Baker. This week's guest is a writer, photographer, crofter and expert at the dark art of being alone. Tamsin Kalidas lived a relatively anonymous life on a small Scottish island until she wrote her memoir, I Am an Island, about her experience of moving from London to the comparatively remote Hebrides. In doing so, she was living the dream of every midlife woman I know. Or was she? On that day when I walked in, I really felt this was my home and I also felt that I knew it from before and it's something that's grown stronger and stronger over the years. I think with my Celtic thread, land has always been part of my DNA. It's there in my blood. From her stone croft, no heating and on the day we talk bloody freezing, Tamsin is disarmingly honest about infertility, becoming perimenopausal in her 30s and adapting to life as an older single woman in a community built on family. She also talks about living in nature, how wild swimming saved her, and the benefits of choosing the harder path. She was speaking to me from the Hebrides, so apologies for the occasionally shonky sound. Welcome to The Shift, Tamsin. It's lovely to have you. Because I can see you are in the most unusual place, please tell the listeners about the room you're in, about where you are. So I'm sitting in the very old part of the cottage. And um, I've got bare stone walls behind me. Those are about three foot thick. And they're actually built from the stones that have been prized up from the land here. And, um, you know, you can really feel that intimacy of the land within the house. It's very cold here just today because my my old stove is packed up and I'll be lighting a fire a bit later. I'm generally quite warm in the mornings, um, having done my rounds with the sheep and, um, you know, had a swim. So and it's a beautiful, bright day, um, very early light 
over the mountains this morning, crystal clear, orange, amber lights. And uh, that's definitely the spring on the way with a very hard frost. And you're on, uh, we're not allowed to name the island, are we? Although, you know, internet. So you're in the Hebrides, yeah? Yeah, I'm in the Hebrides. I'm on a small island and I've got a fantastic range of mountains right the way round. So I've got Nevis on one side and Benavere, which is the ancient mountain of the Thunderbolt, sheltered in a sense by that mountain range and the bigger peaks. And we have kind of like a microclimate in the sense that we don't have huge elevations here. So quite often that heavy fall scuds over the top and we have a little bit of the drier weather here, but it all depends what time of year. Yeah, absolutely. You've been on the island 17 years now. I mean, it's a really huge transition, isn't it, from Notting Hill where you worked in advertising and, you know, lived a kind of a London life. Um, I'm sure there are loads of people listening who are thinking, oh, Fantasy, that's my fantasy. I'd love to do that. Can you tell us a bit about the decision that you and your then partner Rab made to up sticks and make this enormous change? Sure. So we were living in West London, which I loved. It was um, a real sort of community hub. I had a really great network of uh, friends there and actually family living quite close as well who'd moved up from the countryside. And I had been working in advertising and publishing and media, but I'd had a really big car smash. And that really drew a line and I had to really take stock. And with that, obviously, then I wasn't earning. And within that healing process, that kind of opened up a a different sort of world that I've been sort of dabbling in, I suppose, for a little while, but I actually retrained and um, I got into alternative and natural medicine. So as I started off working alongside trauma victims, necessity then meant that we couldn't really afford to stay in the the heart of Notting Hill. Suddenly we'd sort of, I'd stepped off that career ladder and my partner was creative so we didn't really have the means to to sort of be in that in that particular network so we moved up the road we found a place that we needed to do up really from scratch and we were both then working from home and, and working in our environment and, and actually we're at a time when there was a great big transition that happened within that neighborhood previously it had been very family orientated and there were just problems and we were right on the corner of territory wars Events conspire in such a way that it becomes absolutely imperative that we need to move out. You know, we have firecrackers coming in through the front door. We had just really an assault on the building and also, you know, various individuals within the neighbourhood. I was longing for children and a family. I was um, in my very early 30s and we'd already had quite some disappointment. So, yeah, we sat down and we made the decision, what do we want? We asked those questions. What What is it that we're after? And we both of us wanted to get off that very tippy seesaw where if you go to relax you jump on a plane and you go away and we wanted Mm. life and work much more in sync together and within that to be living much more closely to a quieter more peaceful environment understandably given what we were leaving and we really wanted to live without all of those greater big expenses I suppose so looking at the choices that we've made previously we were almost kind of putting our own belt and braces on by taking on more expense than we could actually manage so we really had a very very simple dream find somewhere which over a number of years we would do up and try for family so um, we looked everywhere and in the end we came full circle back to Scotland. And I say full circle because I do have very strong Celt and Scot threads in in my background, but my 
partner was from more of a Scots family. And a lot of my childhood, long weeks of the Easter and summer holidays were spent in a very basic cabin up in the Cairngorms in, in the forests there. So for me as a child, quite a disruptive childhood, that for me was really the essence of being able to express oneself and live freely. So we went to look. And then in that way that sometimes happens in life, it finds you. And that's really what happened. We, by chance, saw an advert in the Open Times and we thought, we've just got to go and look. And six weeks later, we were in. It feels like one of those meant to be things, doesn't it? When things like that happen. Regardless of all of our greater planning, actually, when it happened on the day, I don't know what it was, and I'm really struck by this. I really felt as soon as I walked into the cottage within this room here that was in a much more dilapidated state, but still the same bare walls, you know, the lintel that I have behind, that was put in by us when we realised just that whole back end of the house was being held up by a cart axle. But on that day when I walked in, I really felt this was my home, and I also felt that I knew it from before. And it's something that's grown stronger and stronger over the years. I think with my Celtic thread, land has always been part of my DNA. It's there in my blood. My coming here possibly even reanimated those archetypal tensions and frictions that are written into history that perhaps just sparked alive when I came here and with my particular path when I was left here then as a woman without children, in a vulnerable, um, marginalised position within society, with a healing background, and who was known for already their connection with nature and wildlife and animals and so on. So I think there was a bigger framework to my experience um, behind that. You touched then on being left alone on the island. Without going into any detail, you and Rab split up and he leaves and you stay. And how long had you been there at that point? So that would have been probably about seven years. So you've now stayed there on your own longer than you were there with him. Yeah. And, you know, obviously, I don't know you. I've never met you before. I've only read the book. You seem happier, maybe with hindsight, there on your own than before. Is that fair? Well, there were joyful times. You know, we came up, um, we were very recently married. It was our honeymoon. You know, there, there was so much love and anticipation and hope and I think our route might have been very different had we been able to realise that dream of having a child. But as anyone will know that's been through even shorter times of struggling, you know, it really is a very destructive, uniquely agonisingly destructive and painful process. And I went through every single hoop and stage and um, process of that. You know, if nothing else did, I think that process really broke me down. And also my partner, because, you know, I think also being quite so connected in with the community, you know, I was working in a school with young children. Mm. and uh, He was actually working on the ferry. He was part of the crew for a little while. That seasonal progression and shift and change is it was all made up of these wonderful, rhythms of uh, family structures and um, I think belonging would have been very different for us and would have been a much easier pathway had we been able to have children you know alongside that we're doing up a place and you've got all of those uh, stresses that come with that now when I'm here life's a lot calmer and I think it's something to celebrate actually being a woman 
living on one's own. I've not been in a relationship consciously for a very long time. There was maybe a year when I had maybe a date or two, but I've been so immersed in really trying to gather up all of these broken threads and to really stitch myself back into a different fabric and one that now works much more holistically. There hasn't been room to have that type of relationship with another person. And actually now I've been through really the hard, lonely years with that as well. That's to be acknowledged. Um, Interestingly, it's not really something I miss. If life shows itself, that's something different. But um, yeah, living here alone is, it's a wonderful experience. And I'm I'm not alone um, because I do have very good friends within the community and also in the wider mainland. You know, in the last year in lockdown, you know, I really have been living solitary and fortunately had the skills to do that. When you're within nature, my own experience is that I I never feel alone. and, And I imagine that other people understand what that feels like. Do you feel you would have been accepted more easily by the community if if you'd been a mother and Absolutely. Yeah. And I think, you know, a lot of friends who unfortunately their own relationships have broken up late thirties, early forties, you know, there's there's a sort of mm. period, isn't there, where they said it was a real struggle. It was a real shock. I mean, it was like a slap round the face because, you know, normally when you might have been welcomed before, suddenly something shifted. Perhaps it you know, it's different with people perhaps that you've grown up with, but when you're in a newer community, you're not quite placeable with community living and and a lot of drink is involved and that's all part of the culture when people perhaps behave in a way that makes it difficult for you to stay in that environment um you know it it became a sort of more sensible thing to start to find my own pathway and actually to cultivate and to manifest and invite different friendships to come and find me as well i think it works both ways you know, and the energy that we put out always has a ripple effect. You know, I work alongside um, GP practices, but also in my private work, I do a lot of energy work and, and things like this and with acupuncture and, and natural medicine in all sorts of diverse ways. You know, how we approach others starts way before we come even to a point of physical proximity. It's almost that feeling of when we think about somebody and the phone rings and it's that very same person. We we do have a collective unconsciousness and a collective consciousness. Very interesting, I think, when that starts to flex. So I think, you know, we, we're very aware. It's like walking into a room. You know which side of the room you're going to feel welcome. And sometimes you might even change your mind halfway across the room. And you then just happen to find the person that you're always meant to speak to standing right next to you. So... Um, Yeah, I think all of these things come into play, you know, and I'm very aware of this and um, I'm going to be um, involved in uh, a new platform for women that's being launched quite shortly called Noon. And it's all uh, a collaboration of of women sort of in their sort of 40 somethings and we're all at that midlife time and um, Mm. actually finding a supportive space where you know, these issues can be very openly discussed and shared. And a lot of people are talking about menopause now in their sort of late 40s um, and, and early 50s, some people even mm-hmm. later. For me, it happened right about the time when I was, my fertility treatment failed and might even have been triggered by that. So, you know, I've been living an older life for a very long time and without any community around to discuss that and really nature has been the great solace and wisdom provider. 
like you say, support, it can be really hard to come by going through a, you know, normal, for want of a better way of putting it, menopause. So, I mean, how did you cope? Even if you'd had a lot of friends, it sounds like it was happening to you maybe 10 years before yeah. it happened to other people. I mean, did you have anywhere to turn? Yeah, I just used my own hands-on nature skills, I suppose. You know, I used medicinal herbs that I found out on the crop. So things like blood nourishment, like dandelion and nettle and chicory and uh, all of these kind of natural resources that are there. I really did a lot of um, reading up of the older folklores and remedies and um, also, I guess, with the sort of botanical knowledge that I have, you know, so that was really helpful. I self-treated myself with acupuncture, which helped, but actually I also swam my way through it as well. Sometimes the path that you choose is not always the easiest one. I'm very glad that I did it this way um, without any of the conventional supports because sometimes we euthanize that journey. We all have different tolerance points. I had no support, so there was no alternative, I suppose. And the support that I had asked for just wasn't available in the area that I'm living within. So sometimes you have to write your own narrative. And sometimes, uh, and for me, that was so helpful. But oh my goodness, you know, the growth and the learning that comes out of that, we block ourselves off from sorrow and suffering. When you really journey through, it is like journeying through the winter. And, um, you know, we really need to go into our cave and um, find the truths that are waiting for us there and to then bring them out into the light and reconstruct our lives on on the basis of those and also then to be able to share them with others. Um, So on this platform that I mentioned, I'm going to be celebrating a great many of the different things Mm -hmm. where women do have a pathway and meaning and so much to give to and share with others when it doesn't go in that normal trajectory. And, you know, thinking about even Gen X, there's a whole great number of women who are also electing not to have children. There is a conscious decision as well for women to be sort of pushing back some of these boundaries and, um, yeah, expressing themselves perhaps more uh, truly to how their own unique circumstances are asking them to adapt. So, you had a really tough time when you you first moved to the island. You've been there 17 years now. Have things moved on, improved? Yes, absolutely. I would say it was always a minority and it was there right from the start. That grudge was very deeply rooted in the land. And I've been here now for, as you say, near on 17 years. And the landscape and wider territory is changing. And yet in other ways, it remains the same. And I guess that's true of any community isn't it? You know, it's a reality mm. that in any society, certain groups are more dominant than others. Sometimes, unfortunately, they thrive on aggressive or belittling behaviours rather than on fostering understanding and empathy. Sorry to interrupt you. Did you find that it was a particularly patriarchal sort of society that you just weren't almost more so than you were used to? Yeah, I think so. And partly because it was so rural and um, very agricultural and the way that that balance of roles was employed and how it showed itself was very much a very, very traditional split of roles. So 
when I then was left, you know, to look after the craft with my two broken hands and really, you know, halfway down on my knees already after a much longer struggle, it became very, very difficult to thrive within that community because one, you didn't want to be asking, I guess, for too many helps and favours that you weren't physically able to return at that point. And that also can kind of set up a very difficult system of weights and balances where you're kind of indebted. And I think as a woman on your own, that puts you in a very vulnerable situation that can also be taken advantage of. So I'm by no means the only one. There were others too here that that suffered as well. And I guess when there's empathy, those dominant structures will collapse or implode because they become powerless. But it takes certain things like this a little bit longer to move on. But interestingly, the behaviour that I struggled with very definitely was a minority, but it clearly struck struck a chord both here and in the wider world. So I guess, um, you know, there's the other aspect too that I mentioned about the threads that are still woven from history into the role of women living childless and alone or out with those normal family structures. And there's also the sad reality that this behaviour goes on everywhere. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Has it changed as you've got older, as the language that's used about you improved, got worse? It's just changed, hasn't it? And it's interesting to reflect on how not just the content of that language changes, but also the tone of it. So this Sunday, I was kind of taken by surprise. I was planting bulbs in the garden. I stand at a distance from the single track road, but I stopped what I was doing because there was a dumper truck and a vehicle ahead of me. 
and it was crawling down the road in sight, gears screaming, lots of yelling, a typical weekend spree that still goes on. And both stalled at the dead end of my track. And inside there were about, you know, four, five, six men who, noticing me, started yelling abuse. And it was the language I was struck by. So it went along the lines of, there's an old cow. She's a fucking old cow. Get back inside, you fucking old cow. You know, and it was... Just, um, I don't kind of really know what Enraging, to do. Enraging, isn't it? Yeah. What did you do? How do you respond well, to that? As with a lot of people, you know, I'm relaxed. I'm, I'm there on a day off and I'm just sort of in the garden and, and with my flowers. And so there's that moment of sort of shock and being speechless. And then you think, well, do I confront it? No, I don't, because there's that level of drink, clearly. Yeah, and I, it's really afterwards that I sort of reflected on it. And I wondered how many older women experienced more active notice just like I have done you know harassment tonal abuse um, yeah totally I think um it's a really really common actually and you go from you know that if you were a person who got whistled at by builders to, so you go from that kind of form of abuse and intrusion to you know you're an old bag yeah. You know, or you're a bossy old cow. And those words that are kind of are always used against women, but they throw in old as well as like that's the ultimate yeah. kind of sin. And I'd wondered whether being on the island and as you've kind of aged a bit, whether the kind of other thing that happens in midlife, which is you kind of become invisible, you know, they don't see you anymore, whether that would have made things better for you, whether you'd become less visible, but it doesn't sound like it has. No, and I think it's 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 the case for anyone who's again out, out with the uh, dominant groups. You know, uh, um, misogyny is written into our history, and it's as prevalent today, albeit often underground. But then when it comes up, yeah, I think we all know when it when it hits us, and it needs to be confronted and challenged. When I was researching the shift the book that preceded the podcast, there was an awful lot of reference in some of the older books to, you know, the wise woman or the witch and the way that women, as they get older and arguably postmenopausal, become pushed into that box. And that is, you know, not necessarily a bad thing, but is regarded from the wider society as, as a negative, you know, the woman who lives on her own, who doesn't have children, who is arguably at one with nature or not. Um, and something you you touched on earlier made me wonder if you see, or indeed if the other islanders see you in that sort of a way as a woman who goes her own way and is a bit over there. I think there's something very much written into history on that. We look back and it's still very present with us. So yes, I would agree with that. I am outfacing with people because of my links within a wider and more established healing community. You know, so I am with the Royal Society of Medicine. I am with the British Acupuncture Council. And, you know, I have those regulatory qualities. Yet what I love to bring into my work are more of the older ways. And so, yeah, drawing back into literature, drawing back into even my own past where, you know, the BA and an MA studying uh, the Celtic and Norse, and also with my own Indian background, um, you know, the ancient myths and narratives and threads that are all wound up within this bigger concept of not just what it means to be a female, but almost like the sacred aspect of that. And how sometimes, you know, in our modern secular world, there isn't necessarily the space for that either. It's slightly um, off. But I would 
also note that, um, you know, there's a great big reconnection um, within society, particularly with women, that's going on right now and actually wanting to tap into that. And I'd really encourage people to do that because we all have this deeper, intuitive, sensory body. And sometimes we are so disconnect with that, um, perhaps through um, habitually um, running ourselves quite so fast, giving out to so many different people in so many different ways. Sometimes, you know, particularly with children, sometimes it actually becomes hard to actually tune in and to really, um, yeah, work with that inner voice. And this is something that I work with very closely. And it's um, all about rewilding oneself within whatever landscape we find because all all of our truths lie within so it's actually starting to tap into that little inner voice sometimes you know you're just about to go and do something and there'll be just this sense that well should I be doing that right now or am I actually equipped at this point in time to be able to deal with um, or, or to have the necessary resilience to deal with this right now might it be better to um reorchestrate how I'm going to sort of schedule my week and things like this Um, and I think the closer that we get into starting to listen more deeply that opens out a whole other world and I'd actually connect that into other frameworks because they're all sort of saying the same thing so let's say with meditation perhaps with whatever other rituals um, or you know, uh, physical activities that people do. So that wonderful commune that so many of us are getting when we go into wild water and swimming, that sense of complete being um, without that segmentation, um, we become so in touch in that present moment and in our full sensory body. Um, that's something really to be celebrated. And I think a lot of people are finding that through lots and lots of different ways at the moment, particularly with the world swimming. Sea swimming has been a really, really important coping mechanism for you, hasn't it? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the sea really found me. Living on an island surrounded by sea, you know, that's one thing. It's, it's always present and with the weather and the elements and so on. But so I found the water at a particularly difficult time in my journey. Initially, just having that cold shock just kind of knocked me out of um, that really sort of overwhelming sense of life just crashing down on top of me. And, um, you know, it's well documented, isn't it, with all of the um, physiological benefits, the opiate release and the endorphins. And I'm also interested in it from a sort of mental health point of view, because the process of, for me, a daily discipline, it became like a martial art of going to the water every single day of the year. For for four years, I was swimming at dawn, which up in the Hebrides, you know, that's quite a punishing regime. And I swim without a wetsuit. It made me very aware of how we either um, open to or close off from very small decisions or situations within life. So that process of yeah, stripping off on a, on a freezing cold shore, you know, in the wintertime, sometimes minus 15 degrees wind chill, you want to get into the water. The water is <laughs> oh going to be much warmer than the outside air. And um, you have all these kind of images about what, well, what our heads are telling us that feels like. So first reaction is, oh, my God. But it is like a training. Yeah, it brings you very, very close in with that deeper power of breath. 
that women harness in childbirth that we use when we are in our normal sort of day-to-day, more sort of wild connection again with our lives. So fight or flight, the way through both of those is again through breath. And um, it brings you very, very up close to the present. And you stop worrying about anything else apart from what's happening right here and now in this moment. And it's incredibly empowering. Looking back at the Tamsin who arrived on the island 17 years ago, what are the big changes? I think this sense of abundance with very little, really living so simply. Yeah, I don't have a television. I don't have all sorts of other distractions, I suppose. And and that, again, brings me much closer into the voice of what it is that I'm trying to create. And I think that's a big difference. I'm not looking for external references. I love to read and I love to listen to all sorts of different things. You know, I watch film, but I make a time for it rather than having it on as a constant background noise and drip drip, which I find very disruptive to that process as an artist. And I think I have a really different shape to my community now. We all are much more supportive and collaborative, perhaps, than the community that I used to live amongst. And maybe that's maybe that's also age and stage, you know, as women at this stage of our lives, you, know, you can let all that go. Yeah, I think that that's a huge relief. Just kind of shed that. And let's get on with the business of making life as good for each other and ourselves as we possibly can and building very, very strong communities. And we each know where we belong. That's an important point of discernment as well. It's kind of really knowing who your tribe is and Mm. being aware of everything else, but giving your heart and your whole self without holding back to the people with whom there is that real sort of connection and trust. I think that's been a big, a big waking up and a growing up. And I think that found me, yeah, probably about 10 years ahead of the normal time that that might have come. I've always been very attracted as well to um, spending time with older people um, because they have so much to share and it suits the pace that I like to live at as well. You know, I, I love to go into London still on the occasional times when I come down and I'll really, you know, have a blast and I'll love to meet up with uh, people, but quality rather than quantity. There's a different way that, you know, an older gathering of people meets and it's it's much kinder. And I think that's that's how I like to live. Oh, that's great. On the subject of ageing, I was just really interested how, as a woman living slightly outside our normal society in terms of the avalanche of media and advertising and fashion and film and TV and the way that women, particularly women in the middle, if you like, vanish. So if you're living in the midst of that, that can be very oppressive and undermining and shaming, actually. And I wondered how it was for you, whether any of that impacted on you living outside of it, whether it still reaches you or whether you felt quite separate to that, unaffected by it. I think it affects us all, doesn't it? And I think it's an onward journey. And I think the more people are starting to voice it, we can start to then shape and create a different narrative. And I think that's a really important process that is happening already now. You know, the fact that we're even talking about it here and um, on, on actually quite a few of your other you know episodes of the shift and it's it's a really great space to come and to be able to share these things maybe over time we'll start to see things changing more radically in that way I think it's important, you know, with any change, let's not do it in that great big sort of knee-jerk way. Again, we're all stitching our different threads into this fabric 
um, um, how wonderful it's going to be when we start to, you know, really show these and share and celebrate each other's stories as well. Um, that's something I'm looking forward to. That's great. Okay. Uh, what's your emotional age? Well, I wanted to say 35 because living here right now this year on the Croft, it really feels like full circle. And it was just really in those very young island days when we came here and it was all ahead of us. And I really have that great sense of potential and um, yeah, so much to look forward to just now. And yet I think probably I'm a lot older. I'm an old soul. And so I'd say I'm kind of almost ageless. I'd say I'm somewhere up there with those older women that have really lived and have suffered and have come through it and realised that's all part of where life is. And it's kind of something again to be celebrated because it's made us who we are. I'm very fortunate in that. So maybe that's my sort of two sides. It's really interesting. Um Could you recommend a book that has meant a lot to you or one that you've read recently that you've loved? At the beginning of my book, I Am an Island, there's a very beautiful incantation from The Descent of Bridget. And it's actually taken from a book called The Camina Gedelica. And uh, it's, it's a very sacred blessing. And it kind of crosses all sorts of different paradigms of, you know, the very old nature wisdom and then the later Christian wisdom. And it's all tied up within the ways that people used to interact and animate with the land. So it's by Alexander Carmichael. And it's the most fantastic book of source material from our older Celtic landscape um, threads, if you like. And I, I really lived with that very close by me when I was um, going through those hard years and I, I still go back to it now. So that's that's been a fantastic support. And uh, the, the incantation at the beginning in the Gaelic, it's a very old Gaelic, so this is archaic. It's not actually used now, but it reads... Um, Ni chenchira chenyami nyomachian aloska me halek a shalok moflanak hachegushkar avahak nyom. And that translates as no fire shall burn me, nor moon shall blanch me, nor water shall drown me. And there's a kind of a longer version of that in my book. So that's given me the shivers. Uh, what advice would you give younger women? Listen in, start of the day, end of the day, make a quiet time to really be with yourself because all of our wisdom lies within. And I really believe this. It's We're given prompts by our lives, by others, by landscape, by all of the deeper experiences that find us. But they're like little sparks of a match. The source is always within. And the sooner that process of tuning in starts and really active, conscious, deeper listening, as soon as that starts, that's when really life starts to open and, and the magic begins. That, that's That's all I'd say, I think. It's brilliant. Name your old bird role model. So I'd say the wonderful creator goddess that's here in the landscape. On the one side, she's the winter and the goddess of the winds and the cold and the kayak. And I'm actually in sight of um, her ancient seat here and, you know, I've learned to predict the weather from watching the sun and the, and, and the weather above that lip of the mountain. 
And then also her other face, which is that of the light. And that's the very ancient Bridget. And she is the goddess of light and of fire and of all that's ahead of us, I suppose. And here on the croft, I'm also sitting on literally a very ancient Neolithic, the earliest seat of fire in this whole area. So there's this wonderful confluence of energies and my living right here in this room with the stone walls of the land being guided by the landscape every day of my life here. I think she has to be my wise old bird. (laughs) Certainly they don't get older or wiser than that, do they? Uh, what would be your superpower? Um, nature. Yeah, everything in nature and having lived it so immersively, you know, with the cold water swimming, living in the land, the hardships, the joys, all of that. And again, you know, everything that we might ever need to know is right there waiting to show us. Brilliant. And last one, how many fucks do you give? Well, you know, being an old soul, I might even reframe that. And I'd sort of say, you know, I just care about the earth and all that's in it so much. And so if it's within that context, everything, there's an infinite number. It's 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 unquantifiable. My great longing would be that everybody really finds time to connect at a at a heart level, at a sensory level, so that it becomes then a matter of conscience rather than a cognitive idea about, you know, going to nature. We are wild within, you know, that wilder voice lies inside all of us. So I'd say whatever it takes to ignite and reanimate that, even if it's just for a moment, that for me would be worth everything. That's really brilliant. Thank you so much for for sharing that with us. Thank you for listening. You can hear a new episode of The Shift each Tuesday on Acast, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you like what you hear, please do rate, review and follow because it really does help other people find us. And if you'd like to know more about my own experience of shifting, my book, The Shift, How I Lost and Found Myself After 40 and You Can Too, is out now in paperback. See you next time. This is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win. And support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ, the official ETF of the NCAA. Invesco QQQ is proud to sponsor this episode and even prouder to provide access to innovation for the last 25 years. Basketball has had innovations over the years, too. We're seeing the game played in new ways every day. Learn more at Invesco.com slash QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc. Want flexibility? Take yoga. Want flexibility with your health insurance? Check out United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly medical, dental, and vision coverage that may be right for you. More at UH1.com. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.
This message comes from BOF sponsor eBay. You'll know real when you get it. It'll say eBay Authenticity Guarantee. And you'll feel it. Maybe it's a head-turning handbag, a watch that says it all, jewellery that makes you look like the gem, or sneakers and streetwear so fresh every step feels fly. eBay gets it. So look for the blue check mark next to that thing you love and be confident that every inch, stitch, sole, and logo is checked by experts. With eBay Authenticity Guarantee, you can trust that feeling of real is always in reach. Ensure your next purchase is the real deal. Visit ebay.com for terms. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.